Welcome to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. Each week we step into biblical conversations as we uncover how faith influences culture and how culture influences our faith. Be prepared to hear from some amazing guests, known and unknown, insightful conversations that will get you thinking. And most importantly on the show, we're especially interested in encountering the living God and hearing how he's transforming lives. Check us out online at theperspective.tv. On Facebook, you can search The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. And you can also find us on YouTube. Now live from the WDCX studios, here's your host, Mike Sherboneau. Hey, welcome to The Perspective tonight. I'm Mike Sherboneau, and we have a very interesting program for all of us as we're processing what is going on in the news. What's happening in the Middle East? Uh, Who is Hamas? How do we understand them? And better still, how do we understand the plight of the Israeli people, what they are feeling, all the different triggers that have happened? And this is a subject that I can't certainly unpack on my own, but I've invited a a longtime friend uh, who currently is living in Ottawa, Alan Gilman. Um, He's a Jewish believer, and I'm going to let him explain all that in a moment. We went to school together. We've done ministries together. And he, in my circle of friends, is the most qualified to speak on this matter. And Alan, I want to welcome you today, and uh, thank you for coming on the program. Thank you, Mike. And I, I don't know if I should thank you for the lofty intro. We'll see what happens. Well, Alan, just take a moment and tell friends what you do. Talk about your podcast that you have. It is so informative. I've enjoyed it immensely. Uh, just bring our friends up to date on what you're doing before we dive into this whole subject on the Middle East and what's happening before our eyes right now. Sure. So uh, both my wife and I are Jewish believers uh, raised in uh, in Montreal, in the Jewish community there. We both came to know uh, Jesus. We tend to call him Yeshua now uh, in in our the latter part of our teens um, through very different circumstances, though we uh, we grew up in in the same neighborhood, um, not knowing that we one day would get married. Um, And, uh, you know, for both of us, it, right from the beginning, uh, we had a very, very strong understanding that believing in Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah was the most Jewish thing that we could do. That's not uh, usually understood by the vast majority of our people, um, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't know there's more Jewish believers in the world today than there were in the first century when there was tens of thousands, according to James in the book of Acts. Uh, Robin and I have lived across this. Sorry? No, I just said that's an amazing fact, just as we uh, ponder that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, and it's really, it's very, it's wonderful to see how uh, Jewish believers believers are taking their place, uh, both in and outside the Jewish community. Um, So Robin and I have lived uh, in various cities across this great country of Canada, um, and uh, in various cities we've now totaled. 10 children. They are all adults now. Um, we have eight grandchildren. Uh, they're living in, in various parts of the world. Many of them are still in Ottawa. Um, and it's been really something for us to see. We, the Lord led us uh, at some point. We, were, we had started a Messianic congregation in Vancouver that's still running. We tried to continue Messianic ministry, you know, which are Jewish-oriented congregations that uh, believe in, in Jesus. Uh, and then 
many years ago, the Lord showed us that our, our, our place was primarily uh, in the broader church, and that's been an interesting journey, and we've been both in and out of full-time ministry. Um, and so our, our kids have been mainly raised among non-Jewish Christians, um, but it's been really something to see how they have been so affected by the events that started on October 7th uh, in Israel, and how They've had a front line of their own and dealing with friends, co-workers on social media. And, uh, you know, we've kind of wondered about how they see their Jewish identity from time to time. But this current crisis has certainly brought that to the fore. I've been so proud of them, uh, how they have um, carried this and have, uh, have handled it. Um, and now, it's, uh, Alan, it's let me jump been... in for a moment, yeah. because... As sure. you're unpacking that, that sounds very nice, neat and tidy. but as you and I have discussed things, it is anything but. It has just been like a volcanic eruption. And emotionally, this is impacting Jewish people all around the world. I've been uh, quite intrigued. I'm not even sure that's the right word. Quite intrigued with when things all uh, unfolded with Hamas, um, you know, almost two weeks ago now, that you know, as they called up the reserves, uh, people, Israeli men from other who are living in other countries are saying, I got to go back to the homeland. I've got to go back and uh, support my community. And the sense of community has been huge. Uh, I'd like you to do three things quickly before our first break. And it's going to take seven or eight minutes. But as our listeners are, are processing what you're going to say, um, bring us into what your you feel as a Jewish person when you heard what was happening? Uh, why was it such a trigger uh, for many people thinking, and we've read the news, that this is the worst killing that's taken place since the Holocaust in a single day. And and now the whole world, it feels like we're on the verge of maybe World War III or, or something even greater. I want you to help us understand the feelings of people. And then for a moment, I want you to uh, clear out our, our mind, help our minds to understand who is Hamas, what's their agenda, uh, who are the Palestinians, and is there a difference between Israel and Jewish people? Okay, so that's a whole bunch of stuff. Talk first of all for a moment. We'll come back later in the show. What do your kids feel? What do Jewish people feel? Let's say, for instance, in Ottawa right now. Yeah, so, you know, when you mentioned that whatever However, I said what I said sounded neat and tidy. Uh, I certainly did not intend that because um, we are we are uh, frazzled um, and, both by what's occurred and then having to handle all the interactions that we've we've had. Uh, one of our daughters works in a um, in a store and she was getting more or less harassed by one of her coworkers and ended up on the floor in the bathroom and, and ended up going home sick just from having to deal with uh with all the misguided stuff being thrown her way and um uh you know we've been trying to organize prayer meetings and writing things and interacting with everything from supposed supporters to supporters to to haters um and so it's been really really difficult and um uh, you know depending on the personalities of some of my kids some of them are really scared uh, when we see people on the streets celebrating what happened on October 7th. Um, mind-boggling. Friday, That's mind-boggling to me. It happened yeah, in Toronto Hamas as well. Declared, people just celebrating Hamas on the, Friday, the killing of the Jewish people. Yeah, the Hamas on Friday declared uh, a day of rage, not 
for some political um, uh, objective, but it was they wanted to see Jewish blood spilled worldwide. And so that helps to understand, you know, how do we feel as a Jewish person? Um, and, and this would be true anyway, without that kind of uh, devilish expression by Hamas. When Israel gets attacked, the whole Jewish world is attacked. It's an immediate, it's an immediate reaction um, because of, even though even among the Jewish community, there's different political views about Israel and, and, and all that. It doesn't matter. We know that when uh, Israel's attacked, the whole Jewish world is attacked. Uh, and so it's, it's very, very personal, whether we have relatives and friends that are don't, uh, it's, it's very, very personal. And then we felt that way before Friday's day of rage um, and seeing people celebrating in, in the streets, this horrific, um, uh, demonic, demonically inspired attack on, on our people. So, so that's how we feel. You know, Alan, people. it was interesting. If I can jump in, you talked about a demonically inspired attack. Um, that is not just language that you have used, but I've read that in, and actually in news articles, that this is uh, like a demonic kind of evil. How interesting. Yep. And they talked about when Hamas went to the dance party, they said that the uh, the shrieks of Hamas fighters was going in was like the roar of a lion, but it actually, one of the wordings said that it sounded demonic. And I can only think it's because yeah, so of a reference that, the world has by watching, you know, movies that personify evil and uh, and demons. Uh, your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, so we're dealing with the mentality of a suicide bomber, a person that is so ideologically motivated that he's will he or she is willing to blow themselves up for what their cause is. And uh, whether the cause is the annihilation of the Jewish state or any other cause, that that kind when a person gets that far down the the hole of hatred and ideology, this this is not this is not about justice. This is about utter destruction. Um, a lot of people don't realize that at, for many many Arab peoples, and not just the, the Arabs living. In whether within Israel or in the territories or in the Arab world or outside of the Middle East entirely, um, when Israel became a state in 1948 and uh, declared independence after the British left, um, who were um, the caretakers of the land for many years after the First World War, um, as soon as the British left, uh, five Arab nations attacked, believing they were going to wipe out the Jewish settlement, push the Jewish people into the sea, and that would be that. They were shocked that they lost that war, um, and they have never recovered from the shame. Okay, Alan, let's just hold it there for a second. I, I want you to go back. You said they've never recovered from the shame. Uh, who is they, and how has that impacted the world events that have been happening in the last two weeks? So it's difficult to talk about the individuals, but by and large, the Arab nations, the which are Muslim nations, uh, have no room in their view of the world for any kind of compromise uh, with things such as areas they view as, as Islamic land. And uh, that makes it's very difficult for people of a more Western 
type orientation that believes in a political solutions and compromise um, to come up with something that's really going to work. And so when you listen to some of the spokespeople, you could see there's a very all or nothing approach. And, uh, and so, and that all goes, we can understand how they could so quickly villainize Israel, because really when it comes down to it, um, the problem with Israel on the part of, of many uh, Islamic Arabs is uh, that they exist at all. And so we don't see this conflict through that lens. We try to see the lens through fairness and our view of justice, but it's very difficult to, to have a negotiating party when you um, have this you know, all-or-nothing view, and then that willingness to take the ship down with you in order to achieve your ends. And this is going back to the question about being demonic, so that the fact that they would actually allow uh, women, children, and elderly to be in harm's way, they actually allow children and women and the elderly and the infirm to be in harm's way uh, because, and that's the, that's the devilish part of this, that they are so focused on their, on their goal that it's all these people dying, then we know how they use that as, as to win the PR war um, because understandably people feel bad for these losses and we should feel bad for these losses, but it's, it's very difficult for many of us to accept that the, uh, the influencers and authorities of, of these people would allow this to happen to achieve their ends. And that's just, that's horrible. Yeah, that's, we should that's feel bad for them. We should be praying for them. Mind-boggling in itself. So, Alan, as, as we're processing all of this, uh, we want to come back in the next part of the show. And we want to talk specifically about language that I were hearing on the news. Uh, one of the uh, Israeli defense officers who often speaks on the news, uh, they talk about why Hamas needs to be dismantled. And uh, so we want to talk about that. We want to try to have a greater understanding of what's going on. Right now, folks, you're listening to The Perspective. My name is Mike Sherboneau. My guest today is Alan Gilman, who is a Messianic uh, believer. Uh, he's also a, a fantastic Bible teacher. And I encourage you to uh, connect with his posts uh, that he sends out. His conversations weekly uh, are being uh, consumed by many, many people. We got lots more to talk about on the program, uh, but stay tuned. We'll be right back after this short break. North End Church in St. Catharines is a church that believes that no one is perfect, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. Join us each Sunday at either 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Parents, your children will love the dynamic kids program, and the music and teaching from God's Word will awaken your journey with God as well. Find us at northendchurch.ca or visit us this Sunday at 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines. The welcome mat is always out for you. If you're hearing my voice right now, you're tuned in to The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau right here on WDCX. And you might be thinking to yourself, I have a prayer request that's on my heart that I would love to share. Just email prayer at theperspective.tv. Again, that's prayer at theperspective.tv. Mike would love to hear from you. Or better yet, call the show right now at 1-800-684-2848 or 883-5000. Hey, welcome back to The Perspective. I'm Mike Sherboneau, and at any time, you can write to me, prayer at theperspective.tv. 
The reason for the .TV is, as many of you know, uh, The Perspective is also a television program. We interview people from all across the country, Canada and the States. And I hope you'll check us out. We also are offering a one-hour program on Sundays on Yes TV that is national from 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And in it, there will be amazing guests. There's interviews. And I take about 20 to 25 minutes to uh, teach from God's Word. We're so excited you're with us today. I'm excited to have my uh, friend from way back when, Alan Gilman, on the program. Alan, uh, I think we first met in 1976, and uh, neither of us have gotten any older, but my goodness, I thought I had a lot of kids with five kids. You guys, you and Robin have 10, so kudos, you got me beat hands down, but we're excited you're with us today. Well, it's good to be here, Mike, and for the record, it's never been a competition. Okay, Alan, help us to understand who Hamas is, and do they represent the Muslim world, or are they trying to entice them to come in a battle against Israel? Because I know one of their mandates is to put Israel off of the map. I mean, as harsh as it is, it's right there in black and white. Talk to us about your understanding, and I know you're not uh, a self-prescribed professional on the Middle East, but you have friends, you live there, you understand the culture, you're fluent in the language, uh, you eat, live, and breathe uh, Middle East life, even though you're in Ottawa. So give us your perspective on who Hamas is and their agenda. Yeah, so uh, Hamas is, um, and I'm in my expert knowledge that, uh, as you know, it only goes so far. So, you know, looking at Wikipedia over here, uh, they are the Islamic resistance movement. And um, so there are all sorts of these groups, um, and we know that through the, the Muslim world. We're familiar with groups like ISIS and, and, and this sort of thing. So you have political-oriented groups, some in power, some in not, uh, groups that, uh, that claim to be resistance movements, freedom fighters, and this, this sort of thing, uh, which is more along the line of Hamas. Um, what makes them so, call it, important is uh, when there was a, a time when uh, a t- a levels of autonomy were given to the uh, territories that Israel captured, a couple of territories that Israel captured in uh, the Six-Day War, which was another time when Israel uh, was um, going to be attacked, and they uh, did a preemptive strike, and Many of us believe a miracle occurred when the West Bank, West Bank, the Golan Heights, the Sinai, and the and the Gaza Strip were captured. The Sinai was given back to Egypt. The Golan Heights was annexed by Israel. That means to make it part of Israel officially. Uh, parts of East Jerusalem was also annexed. Um, but then it was a question: what to do with the Gaza Strip and the and the West Bank? Um, and so eventually. Uh, this level of autonomy was given to uh, the Arab peoples living there who called themselves Palestinian, and uh, they had elections. And this group led by uh, uh, Muhammad Abbas uh, had been in charge since that time, for a long, long time, in the West Bank. And they called it the Palestinian Authority. And then there was, my understanding was, there was an election in Gaza, and the uh, the Islamic resistance movement, Hamas, came into power. And, you know, of all the groups, they're, they're on the extreme side of, of, well, Canada has 
considered them officially a terrorist group. Now, what's, what's difficult is when we talk about extremists and moderates with issues like this, for us Westerners, it's very difficult to understand the mindset of, uh, of Middle Eastern people. And maybe it even relates to Jewish people, because people do wonder, like, how come we feel so connected? Well, that kind of connection to our people is, is, an, is an ancient part of our experience. And so we understand how the Arab peoples feel so connected. And that plays, seems to play a major part. So on one hand, uh, there have been statements about it was not right for Hamas to do what they did on October 7th. But you don't hear you don't hear very strong statements on the on the Arab side in distancing themselves from Hamas um, for whatever reason. And, and this is where the analysts all get involved is why that is. Hmm. And um, and so sadly, we don't see the, the, the denouncement, the denunciation of Hamas on the part of the Arab world as there should be. And this causes us to question, uh, you know, they very so quickly jump at Israel's act of retaliation, but where is the condemnation of Hamas? And I just read in an AP News uh, article this morning, uh, you know, we don't hear a lot about the Egyptian blockade of Gaza. We only hear about the Israeli blockade of Gaza. The Egyptians don't want the Gazans in Egypt, and you can look that up and all the reasons why. They certainly don't want Hamas in Egypt. At the same time, they don't come out and condemn Hamas. And I might be wrong, maybe somebody could find some of that. But even with the, the horrible things they did, we're not hearing strong denunciation from the Arab world. Why is that? What is, is it because, you know, is Hamas kind of viewed as the, the wild younger brother? Uh, and, you know, he's still part of the family. So, you know, family takes care of family. Is it that kind of mindset? Yeah, there is there is such hatred for the Jewish presence in what they perceive to be Islamic lands. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm not too sure what might have got cut, uh, cut off from our conversation. Um, but once they perceive that, that this is actually their land, it's not a Jewish land, no matter what the Bible says, no matter what the history says, um, there is no negotiation, there is no compromise. And uh, so... Even though uh, there might be people, um, well, uh, I'll go back. We uh, we met uh, years ago a, a friend uh, we had. We met her father. He was an Arab Christian. Uh, he's a leader in North America. He's a Christian leader. He was born in the West Bank, um, and uh, um, he was he was very supportive of the Jewish presence in the land, but he would not go public. He would not go public because fear for him and his family. And that's just the way it is. So, Alan, let me just jump in for a second. We've had a bit of uh, inter interference here, and I'm not surprised as we're trying to put this program together. Uh, because, you know, the one thing the enemy doesn't want is for truth to go out. But the truth of the matter is, is that your people, the Jewish people, uh, oftentimes just feel totally isolated from the world. In the, the next part of the program, we're going to talk about uh, a post that your son has made. His name is Josh. It's just gone viral. and But we'll unpack that in a moment. Talk to me, though, about the sense of isolation that the Jewish people feel. They're wondering who is there to actually support us. Give us your comments. 
Yeah, well, that's the, yeah, so, you know, going back to, first of all, the fact that we feel when they attacked Israel, they attacked the Jew, they attacked the Jewish world. And then that was made clear in, in, in the narrative since. It's not just about a political movement. It's about uh, an ideology that is deeply, deeply anti-Semitic, anti-Jewish. Um, and so uh, since the thing started, my whole family has had to, we dealt with all sorts of different kinds of comments, whether we're reading in the news, people are sharing in the social media, things that people are saying. And then there's this, this other thing going on. And my son, Josh, uh, uh, captured, it appears he's captured the, the hearts and thoughts of Jewish people worldwide as he uh, created a post uh, called something like, why you might have lost your Jewish friends this week and don't know about it. And it was mainly in dealing with uh, much of the silence that uh, we've experienced. Uh, we've had, especially those of us who are close uh, with non-Jewish believers and then other non-Jewish people in the world that you know, claim to be our friends, uh, why have yeah. we not heard from them? And that we can't speak for every individual. So, um, but still... So why are, he, people, he why are about, people afraid to say something? Why are people afraid to oh, say you, something? Well, you tell me. Well, I'm pondering. I mean, I was quite intrigued. Um, you know, a couple of days ago, uh, Biden visited, uh, you know, Israel and Netanyahu, and they're talking. And he said, you know, we are here. We are supporting you. And I was grateful for that. Uh, but yeah. I don't hear a lot of other comments like that. I know our own prime minister has said that, you know, we're standing with Israel. Uh, and the Palestinians are not appreciating that at all. Um but why is it yeah, that, that we're, Canadian, we're hesitant? The Canadian government, Mike, the Canadian government is kind of speaking out of both sides of their mouths. Um, we were at a wonderful solidarity meeting for Israel um, a week ago, Monday evening, and uh, the prime minister, the mayor, the leader of the opposition were all there. Uh, Mr. Trudeau said wonderful words of support. But there is this, these other things they say and how they're working behind. What, what's happening with Biden in the U.S., uh, we have yet to fully understand uh, why they've given such unequivocal support and have really put their money where their mouth is. Um, and we appreciate that. Um, I am a little leery of all the political you know, machinations going on. We'll just have to wait and see. Um, but that kind, of, that kind of expression is the thing that a lot of Jewish people are looking for. Um, but more from our friends and our colleagues. Um, we don't expect them to be uh, super politically informed, but we need to know that they're there for us. Um, you know, they make it sound in the, in other times that they are, and then a tragedy like this happens, and um, many are, are, are scared to speak. And there is this, so what Josh captured in his, in his post was that, we generally feel unsafe in this world, and it's for good reason. And, and those of us that have connections in the church, even more so because of the horrible anti-Semitic history at the hands of, of Christians for almost 2,000 years. And there's, there tends to be the suspicion, well, yeah, you're being nice to us, but, but still, there's this sort of thing that we're concerned how Christians and other non-Jews look at us. And then so then this happens— and so then when there's silence, it's what's really going on here? And in his article, he talks about 
the we wonder if you'll hide us if the need comes to that. Um, and Alan, anyways, I'm so- going to jump in right there. That's an interesting thought. We're going to pause. I wonder if you'll hide us if the need comes. Folks, you're listening to The Perspective with Mike Sherbin. I'm talking with Alan Gilman. We're talking, obviously, about what's happening in Israel. And my goal in the next 15 minutes of the program is to ask Alan to help us to understand what Jewish people are feeling right now and how you and I as individuals can make a difference. Stay with us on The Perspective. You can write to us at any time, prayer at theperspective.tv. I'm going to be right back after a short break. We all love stories. They shape our minds, fuel our passions, and give perspective to our situation. Speaking of perspective, have you checked out The Perspective on your local TV network? The Perspective is Canada's newest daily faith-based program that addresses the issues between faith and culture. You will hear stories from guests like Lisa Bevere, Daryl Strawberry, Paul Henderson, The Godwink People, David Nurse, and many more. Hosted by Dr. Mike Sherboneau, The Perspective is here to help you find and follow Jesus. Check us out at theperspective.tv. Welcome back to The Perspective. If you like what you're hearing so far, send Mike an email at this address, mike at theperspective.tv. Again, that's mike at theperspective.tv. If you want to hear past episodes or a certain topic, visit our YouTube channel. Just go to youtube.com and type in The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau. And now let's dive back in for more exciting interviews and biblical teaching right here on The Perspective. Hey, welcome back to The Perspective. I'm Mike Sherboneau, and as you've been listening in, we've been talking with Alan Gilman, who is a Bible teacher who lives in Ottawa, uh, but is uh, totally immersed in what is happening in Israel as he is a Messianic believer, fluent in the language and in the uh, culture, with family um, uh, in a variety of places, and certainly feeling the impacts of what has taken place in the Middle East uh, in a way that we as, I'm going to use the phrase Gentiles, people who are non-Jewish people, uh, cannot fully understand. Alan, uh, you know, we were joking a little earlier, I have five kids, you have 10, so although it wasn't a competition, if it had been, you would have beat me hands down. <laughs> but you've got a son who's written so uh, articulately a blog, and tell us about the blog. What what happened with this blog? And it's just been gone viral. Yeah. So uh, so uh, Josh was feeling it as we all have and interacting with various ones, and uh, it appears he was inspired uh, to uh, share with people how he understood many Jewish people uh, were feeling with regard to um, the silence they were experiencing from many of their supposed um, or real, uh, non-Jewish friends, be they be Christians or not Christian, like what's really going on? And it really has struck a chord. Um, I haven't got the latest number, but last, as of yesterday, it had over 500,000 views. Uh, it's been shared on Facebook over a thousand times. It's now appeared uh, on uh, the uh, the site of a major Israel uh, news uh, news channel, um, the chief rab- former chief rabbi of Vienna reposted it, and uh, it, uh, a Hollywood screenwriter uh, did the same and said they would share it with all their Hollywood friends, and, and on and on it's gone. I want to um, jump in. And, I want to uh, jump in. Yep. Alan, so here's the thing. I understand when I read I said, wow, this is just mind-boggling. And so I'm going to ask you some questions out of the blog and get you to enlarge on it. 
because this is your son, and uh, he he wrote two things uh, right at the beginning that caught my attention. He said, first of all, more Jews died in one day than any day since the Holocaust when, you know, two weeks ago. Uh, but he said the reality is that while we felt shock, we didn't necessarily feel surprise. I want you to comment on that. And then I want you to explain this. This actually it intrigued me. I, I It bothered me. He said, when my sisters were quite young, they used to play not hide and seek, but hiding from the Nazis. And they would just pick a place to hide under a couch behind a freezer and just lie still for hours. And then he said, one day they hid in, uh, must have been your van, way too long, and you guys couldn't find them, and they got in a lot of trouble. Okay, we'll pause right there. Um, why were Jewish people not surprised? And then talk to us about the mindset that young Jewish children grow up with, hiding from the Nazis. Yeah, it's, I, you know, I wish I could take you into our lives fully, trying to simply answer a question like that. It's very difficult because one can get the impression that we sat our children down. You know, we homeschooled all 10 of our children. And it's, and it's not as if we had Holocaust class or anti-Semitic training, you know, understanding and anti-Semitism. This, this is, these are things that they would just pick up in, in believe it or not, casual conversation. Um, and as they picked up a reality of what many, many Jewish people feel in the world that we live in, uh, that it is not a safe place for Jewish people. And uh, you don't have to do a, uh, an investigative historical uh, search to, dis to discover that. You know, we're still not that far away from the Holocaust, where half of uh, European Jewry and a third of world Jewry uh, was, uh, was annihilated. Um, Canada had the worst ref Jewish refugee record in the Western world, in the world. Uh, as they purposely kept Jewish people uh, screaming to come out of, of, of uh, Europe and kept Jewish people out purposely. Uh, the book uh, written on that is called None is Too Many because that was basically the Canadian bureaucratic policy towards Jewish refugees who were trying to find safe haven from, uh, from Hitler. So this, wow. this is the world in which we live. And so what happened... Uh, on October 7th uh, by Hamas, as Josh said, um, it was shocking but not surprising because you know, when when's the next attack going to be? So do your kids feel safe in Canada? How do they feel, like even now? Yeah, so some of that is a personality thing. Um, so we have, because there's so many of us, there's all these different uh, different kinds of personalities. Um, but we have uh, one of our kids, um, her, uh, her life, her life uh, is closer to the Jewish community than many others. And so she is more afraid um, because she's, she's seen some of that more up close as opposed to on social media. Uh, and uh, so there is an angst. Others are more defiant. You know, they now they want to wear a Star of David. Um, you know, a, a necklace or something because they want to take a stand and, and this and this sort of thing. And so, um, but even that reveals a reaction that we're under attack and we need some sort of uh, response to that. You know, as I, as I listen to what you're saying and as you describe, you know, even your own 
your own family, not necessarily the the larger Jewish family, there is such a, a sense of solidarity, regardless of what country uh, Jewish people may be yeah. residing in. Um, maybe it's uh, an could obvious I jump answer, in, but Mike, can you explain it? Mike, yeah. I jump in with, with something? So uh, just yesterday in our home, we had a Jewish believer from the West Coast, met him in person for the first time, and uh, he's with, uh, so he's a Jewish believer, um, and he's also involved in uh, Christian-Jewish relational things, without going into all those details. So he's a bridge builder, and uh, he got invited, his organization, it's a, a Christian organization that's building bridges with the Jewish world, he got invited to this convention that happened, or conference this week in Ottawa, that was sponsored by CIJA, CIJA, it's, uh, it's uh, the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs, it's an advocacy, advocacy agency of Jewish federations across the country. Well, six months ago, they already planned a conference here at the convention center in Ottawa, uh, where they wanted to present to government the issue, issues regarding anti-Semitism in Canada. So it was already planned and happened to end up being this very week. So near the close of the convention, uh, um, the party leaders, uh, 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 Justin Trudeau, uh, uh, Singh, and Polyev all got to, to speak. And while, they, while Trudeau was in the room and the conference was ending, I hope I'm getting all these details correctly, there was a pro-Palestinian demonstration happening at the front doors of the Shaw Convention Center. And so then the, all the people were advised not to leave by the front doors. They had to go through another, another way. And um, there were Jewish people, many Jewish people there, but some were saying, no. I want to leave through the front doors. I assume that they didn't. But here they were with the prime minister of our country in the building and couldn't leave because of the pro-Palestinian demonstration in the front. Mike, there's something wrong with this picture. So what is something that is wrong? Are you saying is that is it our, you know, spineless approach to life? Is it our political stance? Is it uh, is it a bigger issue? Oh, I think, you know, we've, you know, I've been given some thought, like, as, as I think, you know, I did an interview on my podcast with uh, my friend Avner Bosky, who lives in uh, Beersheba in the south of Israel, which he calls a 62 second, uh, 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 it's 32 seconds by rocket fire from Gaza. And it was, it was, it was hard for me to hear him talk so harshly about what Israel needs to do, because we believers don't talk that way. But I was, it took me back to, like, what were people in Canada thinking during the Second World War? Were we all, uh, were we hoping to sing Kumbaya with the Nazis? You know, Lord, bring your peace, la-di-da, drink a Coke, you know, this sort of thing? Or uh, were we adamant, even godly believers, that this evil had to be eradicated? And you had asked earlier about the, you know, Hamas. You know, Israel is is determined this time around to eradicate Hamas because it's a cancer that needs to be removed. And in fact, I believe that there, that God in His providences has put the people of Israel wherever we're at with God today. He's put the people of Israel at the front line facing an evil that wants to kill all of us, not just the Jewish people. They're enemies of they're enemies of the church. They're enemies of almost everything that we call good. 
And there is Israel defending all of us against that. Okay, you have raised, um, you've uncovered the elephant in the room. And by saying that, I'm referencing the fact that, so here's a, a question that comes up, because what I'm hearing in the news is they're using the language, does Hamas need to be dismantled? Uh, is dismantled, first of all, the same as being eradicated? And how are Christians to be praying to this end? And what about Palestinian Christians? How do we process that tension? I don't know if you're able to do that, if you got some thoughts on it, but uh, I'd love to get your opinion on that just before we go to the final break. Yeah, so um, when surgeons deal with cancer, they don't only take the cancer out, but they actually have to cut a little bit further because of how cancer works. And it's a very tragic part of life. But to do anything different is to put the patient in, in, in ongoing danger. Um, many believers don't like talk like this, and I'm one of them. I really like, um, you know, I, I'm in my heart, I'm a pacifist, but in, my mind really struggles with it. But I think I'm, I, I lean towards nonviolence because I'm just a scaredy cat. Um, and uh, the fact is we live in a world where evil's a real thing, that uh, one of my favorite verses is, uh, is, do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And I don't think we get the do justice part. I don't have time to do a whole sermon on it right now uh, with those, those three principles that are stated by the prophet. But do justice is number one. A God is a God of justice, and we're supposed to cry out. Now, here's part of the problem. Israel isn't seen as vulnerable. Before the Six-Day War in 1967, Israel was deemed the underdog. But when they miraculously won that war, they were seen, they were more and more seen as the, the they became the Goliath. And they were often seen as a villain because they had gotten strong and they were able to fight their battles so well. But, you know, just because Israel's deemed to be the stronger one, which, you know, in the world is not really the case, just in the region they are. Um, but, uh, with, you know, Believers don't understand that, you know, just because um, somebody appears to have an upper hand in something, uh, we often think, oh, it's Christian to uh, stand for the underdog. Well, that's not biblical. Justice is justice, and we need to stand for what is right. And so when people are using terrorist tactics, we need to stand against that. When they're, uh, when they, they're willing to not only kill your women and children, but allow their women and children to be killed in the process. This is an evil that needs to be um, confronted and confronted severely because they've shown over, over decades that if you, if you treat this with, with kid gloves, it's going to come back to bite you every time. And we just need to open our eyes and see the reality here. Alan, you're, uh, I appreciate your candor as you're talking about a very difficult situation <clears throat> because there are many uh Christians in the world who would claim to be pacifists. And sometimes I think we struggle with what is a, a true pacifist? I mean, I'd like to think that we're all called to be peacemakers. I believe that I am as well. How do we confront wrong? What does it look like? We're going to come back and talk more about that in the final part of the program today. I just want to say you're listening to The Perspective. My name is Mike Sherbino. And if at any time you want to connect with me, you can write to me, prayer at theperspective.tv prayer at the perspective.tv. You can follow us on uh, television. You can hear our podcasts. And uh, of course, 
You're listening to the radio broadcast today on WDCX. We're really glad you're with us. There's a place on our website if you want to support what we're doing to help us as we share uh, the gospel, the good news of Jesus across this country. I'm going to be back in just a moment after a short break. North End Church in St. Catharines is a church that believes that no one is perfect, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. Join us each Sunday at either 9 a.m. or 10.30 a.m. Parents, your children will love the dynamic kids program and the music and teaching from God's Word will awaken your journey with God as well. Find us at northendchurch.ca or visit us this Sunday at 455 Geneva Street in St. Catharines. The welcome mat is always out for you. Mark it in your calendar. The Perspective with Mike Sherboneau every Saturday night from 6 to 7 p.m. Right here on Truth 99.5 WDCX. Well, welcome back to The Perspective. I'm Mike Sherboneau. And again, if you want to reach out to us, write to us, prayer at theperspective.tv. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know how you've enjoyed the program today. I'm here with my friend, Alan Gilman, who lives in Ottawa. We're talking about what is going on in the Middle East. And if you've been tracking with the program, Alan is a Bible teacher, uh, well-connected with uh, life in Israel, fluent in the language uh, and in the culture and he and his own family are just reeling from all that is happening here. And Alan, you've helped us so much uh, just to at least have a bit of a glimpse into what it is like to be a Jewish person right now in the world. I want us to uh, just take a moment and continue in our f- conversation before the break. We we're talking about Christians who are pacifists and what that means. Alan, what does it look like for you uh, with your Jewish friends, family being slaughtered? uh, What does it mean to be a pacifist for you? Well, I'm not too sure what you mean for me, uh, unless you're asking how am I coping with the fact that some uh, uphold pacifism as the biblically uh, legitimate viewpoint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, talk to that. I think pacifism as an ideology for believers is misguided. Um, They confuse some of the personal directives given to us by the Lord, um, particularly the Sermon on the Mount, about turning the other cheek and this sort of thing. They confuse that with the the jurisdiction that God has given to governments to enact justice, uh, as well as... um, taking the turn the other cheek as an absolute, even on the personal realm, that if your own family is in danger, you know, the rapist enters your house, you just stand by, watch, and pray for that person. Um, before the show, I looked up, because uh, I had heard this before, that Gandhi actually advised the Jewish people during the Holocaust to allow themselves to be killed, to somehow move on people's hearts, and it sounds so lovely in some sort of disconnected spiritual place, but it's not biblical. Now, we have a responsibility to, to uh, protect the vulnerable, and sometimes it means to use uh, harsh methods to do that. We need to be careful not to go, to, to, we shouldn't be sponsoring days of rage and, and become unglued. Uh, we should be fair, um, but at the, at the same time, it, it, it takes um, uh, severe responses sometimes when evil does raise its ugly head. And mainly, it should be governments and authorities that are administrating that 
Um, and then there might be people that they have personal conviction. That's why there's people who are personally pacifists that have been called to duty that they'll request some other uh, line of work apart from picking up weapons or they'll go into chaplaincies and, and this sort of thing. And, and that's between that, between that individual and God. But to take such a harsh stand against um, any show of, of, of violence is, I believe, misguided from a biblical point of view. We forget that um, we serve the one in Psalm 2 who says that, you know, you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them pieces like a potter's vessel. Our God, according to Hebrews, is a consuming fire. And so to turn God into some namby-pamby pacifist himself, and then that's who we're following, you know, meek and mild Jesus sort of idea that just pats children on the head, we're not reading, not only not reading the whole Bible, we're not even reading the whole New Testament to come to that kind of conclusion. Well said. Um, let's pick up something else that is happening, and then I want you to help us in the final minutes of the show today to say, what, what's a call to action? What are things that we can do? But one of the questions, obviously, we've touched on it. Let's just land there a little longer. We see now the suffering of other people, uh, Palestinians, the people that are in Gaza right now, and horrific. It doesn't really matter at this point who bombed the hospital. The fact is, is that people died. And people are mourning, they're grieving. What is to be our response to that? You know, how do how how am I to respond to that as a Canadian? Uh, am I I am pro Israel? I'm you know, and I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem. Uh, I am in solidarity with you. How do I deal with what is happening to people in Gaza right now? How can I? Well, there, there's a verse. To be there's my a verse in Ezekiel. There's a verse in Ezekiel that I always loved, and I don't know if I could um, bring up the reference. Uh, but uh, the, God through the prophet says that He ha- takes no pleasure in any man's death. Therefore, repent and live. And I always took that to to mean that God doesn't delight in anyone's death. He do- He doesn't rejoice over. Uh, the downfall of people and all the suffering and death in the world. And I think that's still true. God does not delight in human suffering. He does not delight in in death. And neither should we. But with all that's happened um, these past couple of weeks, I realized that's not the whole statement. It, It continues with, therefore, repent and live. And so there's actually a bit of a threat there. That if we don't repent, we're in big trouble. You know, uh, Jesus tells a story when uh, we read in one of the Gospels about how he was asked about this horrible thing that Pilate had done in, in killing these Jewish people. And he turns it right around and says to the people who were asking that, that don't think you are going to get away with, with, with it unless you repent. So we all need to understand that. And that's where we need to be really careful when we start doing the, you know, about blame is we need to look at ourselves and we're all in big trouble if we don't turn to God. Um, now, having said that, it kind of goes back to the past of this question. Uh, many of us can't handle, and myself included, uh, the ugliness of, of war. And, but here's where the problem is. So people are suffering and then we end up uh, so sympathizing with them, we turn our anger towards whatever we believe is the other side. And, and as far as I can tell at this point, um, Israel did not bomb that hospital. It was an errant 
it was an errant rocket by Islamic Jihad. Um, but even if, if it somehow came from Israel, and we understand Hamas's tactics of hiding uh, their arsenals, their, their rocket uh, um, launchers in civilian areas and hospitals and schools. And then as a result, Israel goes to take that out and innocent people die. Well, whose fault is that really? Um, what is Israel expected to do? These are very difficult questions. They're, it's distasteful uh, to have to talk about it. But I, I believe we need to put the onus on Hamas for um, uh, hiding behind innocence. Okay. Well said. Um, we only have a, a few minutes left in the show today. Uh, talk to us about some proactive steps um, that I can be doing, that we can be doing. How, where do we go from here? Yeah, sure. So first of all, of course, we pray. Now, I would encourage people not simply to pray that uh, the fighting stops, which I wish it would, um, that there's peace, I wish there will, will be, but we need to also pray for justice, that those who are truly the workers of evil, and you don't have to have an expert political opinion, God knows, and you could ask him that the workers of evil, that, are, that, that they will fall into their own pits, that they will you know, turn their hearts to you, Lord, but if their hearts would not turn, uh, deal with them, do away with them. And I think it's appropriate to pray for the eradication of evil. You know, pray for the political leaders in the region, in our own countries, uh, that they would have wisdom and that somehow they would disconnect from all the political intrigue and do what is right. Staying with the political thing, write your uh, uh, political representatives at various levels and uh, the head of your, your state, whatever country you might be in, and, and share what you think. If you haven't yet reached out to Jewish friends, colleagues, and that applies if you haven't seen somebody for 20 years, but there's somebody that would remember who you are. Um, I encounter a lot of Christians that talk about their dear Jewish friend from 20, 30 years ago. Well, if, if, if that's you, if you have these friends, it might even be your neighbor. If you haven't yet reached out to them and simply asked, how are you doing? I encourage you to do so. And that's all you need to ask because that they're going to understand exactly what you're talking about. And then let them do the talking. Uh, don't start showering them with all sorts of uh, well-meaning platitudes. Let them talk. Uh, if, they, if you enter in conversation, ask them, do you have family and friends in Israel? They'll tell you. Often they'll tell you without being asked. And just engage the conversation. And if you can mean this, say, let me know if there's anything I can do for you. That's going to mean a lot to them. They may not take it too seriously, but it's still going to count for something. Uh, then, of course, you get educated. Final minute. Um, Final minute. To, yeah, so try to find good news sources. People can reach out to me. I can give them. Um, I could try to send the right direction as well as um, giving to uh, legitimate charities that will make a difference on the ground. And again, I can try to get that information to you. Alan, give us your website so that people can follow all the stuff that you're doing, where is that? Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's alangilman.ca, and, and that's my name, Alan Gilman, with one L in each name, alangilman.ca. And two of my main things that I'm doing is I have a sort of weekly podcast called Thinking Biblically, um, where I do something similar to you, Mike, we're trying to give biblical perspective to uh, life and all, all sorts of things. Um, and so there's that. And also I do a weekly 
devotional based on the books of Moses. And I've been doing that for about 26 years. Again, I try to do that most weeks and people could sign up for that. Um, I'm actually having some technical difficulties. So people can um, email me at uh, info at Alan, or try to better, alan at alangilman.ca. Reach out to me by email. I can put you on the email list and so on. That's so good. Alan, I want to thank you for being on the program today. And uh, we do pray uh, together right now for peace, uh, for the cessation of hostilities and for evil to be exposed and rooted out and and for the comfort of, uh, of the Israeli people. It, it's been heartbreaking. It's hard for me to process. I know for many others. We also think of the suffering that is also going on uh, with many others who are almost like the collateral damage and our hearts go out to them as well. You've been listening to The Perspective. My name is Mike Sherbino. You can write to me at theperspective.tv. Send your prayer requests. Send your thoughts. We'd love to hear from you. Prayer at theperspective.tv. And until next week, may you know God's peace and grace in this journey called life. Life.